This show is brought to you by my friends at Alliance and Trust. In wild times like these, you need more than financial product salespeople. You need a firm that looks at the entirety of your life and helps you with strategies that coordinate all disciplines of good stewardship so you can manage wisely what God has given you and thrive in these times of chaos and confusion. Have a team that acts as consultants in the business of you. Let Alliance and Trust help you plan for what's next. To learn more and get your free copy of Alliance and Trust's book on financial stewardship, Wisdom Before Wealth, visit friendofbrice.com or call 805-371-8020. Welcome to the Bryce Eddy Show. So today my guest is, um, and, I, and I'll, I'll frame it this way, I tell my daughters that um, you need to go out and cure, curate great friendships. And one um, friendship that comes to me, every, you know, like every five years, I find somebody who I just think is an amazing person, and we seem to become instant friends, and this man I would call a brother, and it is A.J. Hurley. Thanks, man. That's How are you, man? kind of you, brother. Kind no, of... it is a cool thing, and I, I, I uh, you know, I've been sort of doing some marathon sessions here yeah. uh, in the studio. Um, so I don't think I said it well, but I, I do think this is something that people have to take away that um, our job as human beings is to find and curate good friendships mm. and relationships mm-hmm. and and all that. And you know, especially as men, we need it, right? Because you know, we're we're a mess left to our own devices, and iron sharpens iron. And totally. you know, you need people that you vibe and respect, and people that you know challenge you to be a better human being and all that. And so, um, you know, when we first did uh, the first podcast we did in here, I was like this is my guy, you know, <laughs> and, you know, finding out that we're also jujitsu brothers yeah. and all that stuff. That's like say. that whole nother layer to yep. it too. You know, when you walked in, you're like, what's wrong with your ears? Yeah. Man? <laughs> I was just going to say, you train, bro. <laughs> like, this is my, this is my man here. I saw the ears. It was, yeah. it was, a, yeah. It's something only a fellow jujitsu guy or wrestler can kind of understand. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, uh, before we get, uh, into it, in fact, since we're on the topic of, uh, of jujitsu and you and I are going to get into to some great stuff. Um, I, I made a post, um, I, uh, we, we grabbed and extracted a reel from the show and posted it with, uh, Andrew Bronca law self-defense. And we talked about the Daniel Perry case, um, where he, uh, um, restrained that, uh, yeah. you know, homeless agitator, uh, um, you yep. know, me- mentally unwell, totally. um, you know, dude in the subway and, and the guy ultimately died. And, the amount of people mm-hmm. going crazy on our social media posts talking mm-hmm. about, you know, he straight murdered that mm-hmm. dude and all yeah. that sort of stuff. And he choked him for 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, there was no call for, call for that. Number one, and I would like to get your opinion, um, you know, watching the video myself a couple mm-hmm. times, you know, you're a, a longtime jujitsu guy, too. Yeah. That was a, a choke restraint, not a choke hold. Because yeah. a choke hold, you know, the dude's going to be out. Mm-hmm. And if he was maybe more experienced, honestly, and could have applied a really good choke, yeah. they probably could have just reset his brain, sat him up, knock it off, buddy. <laughs> you know, It might have been gone differently. But it wasn't the fact that he choked him for, quote, unquote, 15 minutes. And all, the, all we see in the video is you know, about three minutes of it. But... 
that dude died of his physiology. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a, a unwell person yeah. who, you know, came in there agitating, totally. came in there um, aggressively, you know, uh, telling people that he was going to hurt him. Mm. And, uh, you know, Daniel Perry, you know, leapt to the defense of all those people and did the right thing. And that guy happened to die. That is not murder. Totally. but. People confuse the idea of killing and murder, and, and there is no excuse for killing. Oh, no, there is excuse yeah. for killing all the time. Yeah, yeah. And, in fact, killing is sanctioned. Murder is not. Totally. But but killing is sanctioned. So I just wanted to get your opinion if you saw it and thought about it. Yeah, I, I did see that. I, I haven't – so it's hard because the clip comes out, and then everybody's like a Monday morning quarterback, right? Yeah, yeah. Everybody's giving their perspectives. Some of these people obviously have never even been in a self-defense situation, and then they want to – Some of those people have probably never even been shoved yes, aggressively yes. in their entire lives, so they have no clue what violence totally. is like. Totally. And I, I think – I don't know. I, to me, I think – I'm a little biased, but I think – this is why, in my personal opinion, I think every man should like take jujitsu ju- or some type yeah. of uh, you know uh, submission wrestling or some, some type some... of grappling art. Yeah, because um, the and I can kind of speak authoritatively to a certain degree because I've had to use jujitsu several times. Mm-hmm. Some of these, some of it's clips on camera. You can find gone it yeah. online, then you can you know you can find, um, but. You know, a lot of a lot of my friends, we've been out either at pro-life rallies or whatever, and you know, there's some crazed lunatic that, he, whether he's demonically inspired or just out of his mind, comes and just starts assaulting people. And you know, I'm a firm believer in absolutely, you know, these type of tactics. Self-defense is like the last thing you should resort to. You know, and yeah. in, in all these videos, it's like, hey, I'm going to defend myself, defend myself. And it's very important. But jujitsu teaches you that. It just teaches you, um, one, to not fear any man. Jiu-jitsu taught me that. It's just like this unbelievable confidence that I don't have to assert my dominance or yeah, I can keep my ego in check because it's, you know, you, you realize that you, you really pretty much have mastery over 99% of the population yeah. out there. But, um, but it also in this regard would teach you that if a man is unconscious, then you'd immediately let go, you know? And so, uh, yeah, it's, it's hard. It's, 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 I didn't see the whole clip, and it's yeah. purposely. I think there's the whole. Clip he, he was, really you know, in there, the so. in the whole clip, or at least what what's available um, and and circulating. You know, for the vast majority of the time, uh, Neely was continuing to to struggle and yeah. continue to fight so much so that you know there was another guy who's black, by the way. So yeah. you know they're 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 trying to make this a uh, race thing, a race course. thing. Yeah. But uh, but anyway, the the other guy was helping him to restrain, and you know, so he was resisting the whole time. But you're right; if there was more skill on the part of all of those parties, it it would have gone much better, mm-hmm. and maybe this guy would still be alive. Maybe not though, because yeah. again, they they haven't released all the details. Of well, and who the, knows how much how many drugs yeah. has the toxicology report come out? Has there been an autopsy? I mean, all when these you're things living matter. a life like that. You know, just like, um, uh, what's his name? The other, you know, hero of the left, um, Floyd, uh, uh, George Floyd, you know, that guy died of his physiology. Mm -hmm. Right. So, and I believe that if they ever, uh, do a, you know, real full release of, of all of the medical examiner's reports and all those details. And, and we talked about it on, on the uh, show I did with Bronca, 
but um, but I think it'll show that this you know he was unwell. Yeah, you know, and, and it's and physically hard because I think in, in his case too, I think there was like four times the lethal amount of fentanyl in the system. Oh, had, Floyd, uh, yeah, yeah, and like yeah, t- yeah. tons of drugs. So we it's hard to determine and these things come go viral and then there's all these yeah, like i said they get money politicized money. Yeah. and then there is one outcome that that the that the politics of it are trying to get but i will tell you it is a beautiful thing um to know that you can put someone unconscious and it's a, a what what's amazing having done this several times mm-hmm. is it is like a reset like yes. like so when i say it's like the cathode tube of an old tv set <laughs> yes. it goes Whatever is like, I've and then done, you open it up and you're like, oh, was yeah. I just napping? What happened? You don't know we? where you're at. Yeah. You don't know what happened. You feel euphoric because I think there's a the blood there's rush. A, there's a dopamine rush that that is released in this probably a you know some type of I don't know if it's some type of chemical or uh, hormone that that makes you calm, but you feel this incredible. Oh, I've never been quite unconscious. I've been pretty close. Yeah. In the, in, in I've, the I've only been. Uh, yeah. Maybe twice, because, you know, listen, if I know it's happening, you know, and sometimes it happens so quick that you're like, what just, you know. But but I I can tell you several times where guys have just been violently upset and agitated. You restrain them, you put them unconscious, they wake up, and they're just like a new, just calm person. Oh, it's just like they're in La La Land. They're just very calm, cool, collected. And Mm -hmm. you just, the other thing about it is once you assert that type of dominance over someone they they realize that oh yeah. they just did you this got to me pretty hard and they could do it again yeah. <laughs> you know and i remind them like i had you know i can do this to you again we can put you unconscious again you know and you're just gonna quietly be be here until the cops get here you know every time it's been yeah. it's been well, a, i think uh, one one of those videos i mean you were defending your wife who was yes. who was assaulted yeah. Yeah. and uh and had to take action and yeah. you know how romantic is that, guys? I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, yeah, you you kind of see red when 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 you go after somebody's wife. It's like it's it's a different thing. I can get punched in the face, and I really don't care. You know, it's yeah. not a it's not a big deal. I'm one of those people that don't get really angry. I I just yeah. you know. But, uh, Which, man. by the way, is uh, uh, too, I think, a um, result of training jujitsu and things mm-hmm. like that, where you do have impact, you do get put in tough situations, yeah. you you get comfortable with the uncomfortable, your emotions stay in check. Like, yeah. I don't really have a red line, um, yeah. other than probably if my wife was uh, assaulted in that kind of a situation, too. You yeah, know? man, listen, it, t- it teaches you self-discipline, it teaches you confidence, it teaches you stress under very, you know, how to remain calm under very, very stressful yeah. circumstances, you know? And so I, I'm a firm believer jujitsu all the way, man. Yeah. Yeah. Same. I tell people, give us a year of dedicated training and we'll, we'll give you yeah. a superpower back. Yeah. And I tell, I, I tell people something similar. I said, if you start training jujitsu, everything in life gets better. Yeah. Everything. It, it's a weird, you become a better man. Become a better husband, you know. You just everything. I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I, I think you're right. Um, well, you know what? You mentioned uh, um, your calm in like dealing with uh, you know pro life stuff. So yeah. now you're, uh, what's your official title with? Uh, I'm the director of activism at Live Action. Yeah, because so. you weren't in that job uh, the last time I we met. Not, so congratulations for that. A, man. I got a call to the big leagues, man. I was, I was. Uh, it really, really just feels super honored to, 
to be in that spot. And, you know, Lila Rose has always been a huge, like, hero of mine. I think she's, like, I don't know. You know, there's certain women that are alive that are, even of the past, like, somewhat archetypes of, like, mm-hmm. you know, of womanhood out there. I, I think, you know she will go down at a certain point as like just a virtuous woman of our day. Yeah, you know? no, she's and, cool. And Did you so, see her uh, put that guy in his place uh, oh, on the was, whatever podcast? That was a thing of beauty, I will <laughs> say. I, that was a thing of beauty. Um, uh, yeah, we can we can talk about that whole thing. I have much to say about that, yeah, but that's, well, yeah. Well, I admire her too. Um, speaking of uh, pro-life, and I um, – I thought we'd talk about this for for a few minutes, but um, so I had Jeff Durbin yeah. of Apologia Studios and Apologia Church on, um, and End Abortion Now mm-hmm. is the name of uh, the organization that he's a part of, and uh, really thought that was a, a powerful conversation for me personally. Right? Um, I don't know if the audience loved it or not, but I did, <laughs> um, and. Uh, I did not uh, realize, but it was really you and talking with you, talking with Seth and others. I didn't realize that within the pro-life movement, there's the, it's kind of fractionated. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is like some, uh, you know, let's call it in-house disputes yeah. um, in regards to what people are, are calling the um, incrementalism versus... Uh, uh, what is it? The um, incremental abolition, abolitionists, yeah, exactly. right? And so in- incrementalism versus the abolitionists. And uh, one of the things that he brought to my attention that that floored me was in um, their work in, I believe it was Missouri. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they had gotten a bill all the way to the finish line, and it was actually a pro-life organization that got that thing uh booted yeah, and yeah. planned parenthood didn't even need to testify and yeah. basically the planned parenthood person was why do we need to hey they yeah. uh they did it themselves sort of totally thing. yeah national right to life i think killed that bill unfortunately yeah man it's uh it is a a tough tough thing i mean it's hard to loop loop certain people into groups because there's always outliers ever. There's good people. I think everywhere. Yeah. Um, you know, and I agree with that, by the yeah, way. Yeah. And so, but yeah, I will say that there is unfortunate compromise, very deep compromise in the pro-life establishment groups. Um, I think national right to life would be, um, I don't even know if I should name names, but I mean, that is one that I've experienced, uh, some real, real problems and just, just heartbroken about, I think one of the things is in there, they did an ambicus brief in the Dobbs case, which was the t- case that overturned Roe v. Wade. And I believe they were the only pro-life organization to not only say that Roe v. Wade shouldn't have been overturned, but I believe their amicus brief even said that they weren't even calling for them to up, uphold the the twenty week abortion ban that Mississippi was calling for. Uh, and so you are kind of in this place where, like, why in the world would a pro life organization outright oppose overturning Roe v. Wade? And um, Man, you know, but money gets involved, 
career gets in, careers get involved. You know, there's a lot of people on the payroll, and I think that's a part, a small part of it. So, so when you um, say that, you mean like the uh, activists? They solve the problem, they lose a job. Um, uh, is yeah, that kind of and a it's thing? it's hard. I don't want to speak. I don't like. I don't want to put words in their mouth or like ascribe an ill motive to them. But it is hard. I think um, just ideologically, I'll kind of speak for that. It's like there is this perspective that if we criminalize abortion, it's going to, um, you know, it's not what maybe the the entire democracy wants. You know, we have the the latest poll that came out, like fifty five percent of the of the. Um, entire country is pro-choice now. And so I think there's a lot of compromise. I think this whole idea of women being victims is very dangerous. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we've, we've kind of produced this ideology. It's like, that there's two victims in abortion and, mm-hmm. and sometimes there is right yeah there there may be but that's uh that's for a court and a judge to actually yeah, decide at exactly. the end of the day and and in that moment is when you can show mercy to someone who you know maybe they were coerced maybe they were the victim maybe they totally and and that like i said on the podcast i did with uh, durbin that's how you go after the guys who coerced yeah that's how you go after exactly the the traffickers that's how yeah. you go after all of them is by you know making it yeah. uh, an illegal act yeah so there's a lot of that i think uh, i hear this often that there's two two victims in, a, in an abortion the, the victim that of the child and then the victim is the mother um i think that's really dangerous especially as christians because you know on judgment day you know that's a sin that. God is going to hold this woman accountable for. And aside from that whole element, it's just like, how can you end abortion in America if uh, you don't want to criminalize it? Like yeah. half of the abortions that are happening now um, are happening with chemical abortions yeah. over half. I think it's 54%. Last poll was, is that is babies are being killed from chemical abortions. I think there was over 19,000. I think this is even a statistic that came out like in Texas, Texas abortion is illegal from conception in Texas right now. But the latest statistic, I think it was 19,000 children were killed in Texas last year. Mm -hmm. And so the danger for me is like, how do we, you know, in the next, I hope it's not 50 years like it's been, but you know, from here now that Roe v. Wade has been overturned to the day that it's completely sayonara, no more. And, And like, if we reach all of our legislative ends, right. And we don't want to criminalize abortion. If we reach all of our legislative ends, Texas is still killing 19,000 children mm-hmm. the year after Roe v. Wade. Uh, and so I'm, I'm just like, we, we might achieve the end of our dreams as the pro-life movement. And at the end of that, all we, we still are not saving children because we're uh, afraid of the politics or the optics of equal protection. Mm-hmm. I think that's very, very dangerous. Uh, and uh, imagine, I mean, I, I think that what I always go back to is there's this, this phrase called trotting out the toddler. And every time we talk about what's in the, uh, the, in the womb, we should put it in perspective by using the same, by taking instead of a fetus or an unborn child, 
inserting the word toddler, you know? Um, so in this case, it's like, do we, if a, a mother kills her child, toddler, you know, what should be the penalty for that? And so imagine also another example you can use is like, if we're say this is, you know, the night 1830s or 1840s, and we're talking about eventually over, uh, turning, you know, the, the slavery and acting slavery in the country. And it's like, Oh, we, we want to make slavery unthinkable, but we don't want to make it illegal. And we shouldn't have laws that protect, uh, slaves, you know, uh, uh, slaves in the to agree that we would put people who enslave them into jail. We ultimately would say then that there's an unequal just weights and measures between the value of a black person then and the value of a white person, right? If we're saying it's the, the, the implication is then you can enslave a white person and, and, uh, go to jail for it. But if you enslave a black person, we don't want to criminalize and, and what would that say to slave owners? So we wouldn't want to, yeah. you know, and, and obviously that analogy breaks down, but if we really do believe it all comes down to this, if we really do believe that what's in the womb is equally human, yeah. then why don't the I, same laws that protect born children protect? Yeah. I, yeah. Children? I think the, um, the, slavery analogy doesn't doesn't quite work we'd have to think sure, through that sure. and give that one a little bit more but yeah, but yeah. the toddler one does yeah because if you know a minute after the the mother uh you know throws the baby in a you know trash can or a dumpster behind an alley yeah uh, after she gives birth to it you know she's she's held criminally liable yeah um and you know, again, a judge can go in and when that is brought before the court and decide, okay, she was, you know, mentally unwell, she was on drugs, she had this going on, that going on, she, you know, and then can show maybe some degree of mercy on her. But, but, you know, we decide what is a criminal act and then our court system decides what the penalty is, what the degree to which you participated in that criminal act and all of that can be sorted out. If we don't do that, then we have no tools to enforce it. Yeah, and the I think just to clarify, I think the reason why I bring up the slavery analogy is because that is the only other case in this country where the government society has lied to generation after generation about the ontological value of a certain class of human beings. Yeah, that's true. Right. Yeah. And so um you know, that is a common argument that I hear is well, we can't criminalize abortion because um, because of the fact that we've lied to these women about what's in the womb for generations and generations and generations. And two things I would say to that is one, um, is, you know, the whole purpose of law is to, to educate the conscious of society. Right. Right. And so, um, you know, law is a tutor. It, as the scripture says, is it, it is actually instructs us as to the value of, of what's a person is. And so, um, and the other thing is, is like the other slavery analogy is we lied to America for so long, but we still made it illegal. And I think, uh, I think, you know, what we aren't saying is let's go back retroactively and put people in prison who previously had abortions. Absolutely not. I think there needs to be a time where we instruct society and to say, look, from here on out at a certain date, we're going to treat every, yeah. whether it's putting classes in high schools or whatever to. Well, there's say. that like, you know, go forth and sin no more. Yeah. Okay. Let's, you know, let's repent for, the, you know, for, uh, how we how we behaved and what we were complicit in, and now let's go forward and, and not do it. 
Do not trust these woke banks. Do not put your money into ESG funds. Instead, why don't you talk to the Alliance and Trust family? Finance is in their blood. I grew up with them, and they've handled my entire financial world for nearly 30 years. And as a testament to their talents, they've managed to keep me not just out of trouble, which in and of itself is remarkable, but they've helped me to build real wealth. They've assisted me through complex business transactions and family matters. Now even my daughters are working with Uncle Randy to put financial disciplines in place for their futures. Invest with people who share our values and will help you to be a good steward with what God has given you. Let Alliance and Trust help you plan for what's next. To learn more and get your free copy of Alliance and Trust's book on financial stewardship, Wisdom Before Wealth, visit friendofbrice.com or call 805-371-8020. Yeah, but, you know, going to the, uh, you know, yeah, women were told and all that stuff, I, um, having met so many women that have had abortions, um, uh, even the ones that have kind of said, I'm proud I, about it, you know, when you mm -hmm. dig a little deeper... They know they did something yeah. wrong. I, I, you know, and I've, I've been, um, I've been blessed to have, you know, like really dark conversations mm -hmm. with folks who are, um, oppose, uh, you know, may, maybe my points of view on these things. Sure. And, and, uh, and for the most part, I mean, I, um, to my knowledge, I've never come across someone that didn't know that there was something wrong with it. Yeah, totally. And, and that is, you know, God puts that in us and you can, you know, mute that, uh, conscience and, you know, you can do that over time. You mm -hmm. can make, you know, bad, sinful decision after sinful decision and, and, you know, ignore it. Um, but it's still there. Yeah. And, you know, and maybe I'm, pr maybe I'm a little bit skewed because I've held, these children in my arms, yeah, you know, and I'll tell you, Bryce, like when, when you held, I mean, in your viewers could look up the DC five whole thing and, and these babies that we, yeah. Like or listen to our first episode exposed. together, you know, in, yeah, in the exactly. archives, man. Cause dude, that, that I was, and, I was holding back tears all the time. But I'll tell you what, man, like, um, holding the victims of these children and just feeling their mangled bodies, just their eyes blown open because of the suction device in the back of their skulls. And then you, and looking at you as if to say, when are you going to provide me justice? You know? Yeah. And it's just like, um, I'm sorry, that's demonic and I want it to end. And I, I think it should be illegal to do that, you know? And yeah. so anybody that says that child is less valuable than, uh, the toddler I held that, like, you know, was pre-born, uh, I'm sorry, the premature child that my, my friends had that was literally smaller. That was one thing I, I never tore a story. I've never really told was, um, after this horrible event that literally just like shook us to the core the next week, uh, we, we went home just to have a kind of reprieve and I hadn't really ever, I hadn't really cried much because I had to hold it together. But, um, my, my friends had just had a newborn baby and, um, they're changing the child and the baby starts crying and I'm looking at this baby and I just lost it. Yeah. I just lost it because that child was way smaller than the babies that I'd held. And it was just like, uh, the screaming, the, the crying child, it was just like a, a visceral reaction of like, that is what we're doing and you just can't hear it. Wow. Um, 
So yeah, it, it, it'll change you. It'll change the way you look at things. And I, I, I'm personally convinced that a lot of the political maneuvering that we do, uh, and a lot of this compromise that's coming from is because we, we, we haven't fully grasped the, the value and precious humanity of those children to the degree that we really want to give them justice, you know? So, um, obviously we temper that with love and mercy, uh, cause there are genuine cases and I would never advocate for, um, putting anyone in prison who's been a subject to, to, uh, coercion or to ra- like to been raped or anything like that. And, um, you know, uh, <clears throat> to, you know, who's been coerced then some, someone who's been raped and then they bring her, uh, you know, basically her pimp or her, her, you know, sexual abuser brings her then to the, uh, to, to the, uh, abortion clinic. I'm sorry, but that's the, he's the one that goes in jail, not her, you know? So there's so many cases of coercion from rape and, yeah. and, and that. Well, and, but, that, but again, so. if we don't have the teeth in the law, yeah. You know, then you don't have the ability to effectively go after those yeah. people in, yeah. the, in the way that we should be allowed to. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Because um, we exposed this with live action too, was uh, um, aiding the aiding and abetting of sex trafficking and pimps and bringing underage girls into, and you can look up those videos from live action. Um, that's how Lila Rose got pretty much started was, was going into, uh, she looked very young, even as an 18 year old in college. And so she She's very young now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she would pose as a 15, 16 year old, you know, and yeah. going in and saying her boyfriend was 30 and they would just say, Oh yeah, well I'm supposed to report this, but I, I won't. And it just repeat Planned yeah. Parenthood the, o- the over repeat, and over again. Yeah. Yeah. Circling, uh, you know, door of, of, of abuse that they just have covered up through the years is just deplorable. So, um, but that'll of course never be the broadcasted by the, the mainstream media, right? Yeah. Well, cause they're complicit in these things too, yeah. you know? So, yeah, there's a lot to be said about that whole topic. And, um, so it's, it's hard to wade through all of, you know, w- once you say, equal protection there, you know, you're instantly going to be put in this category as if you're trying to, you know, um, retroactively go on this witch hunt to put people in jail. That's not what we're doing. You know, we're just basically saying that it's simple. Every human being (laughs) deserves equal value, you know, and, uh, the laws should reflect the ontological reality of what's in the womb. Um, so, and that's going to vary state by state also, Bryce. That's, that's the other thing that's not talked about, right? Um, you know, to, if you kill a person in California, you know, it's going to be very different if you kill a person in, um, in, in Texas, you yeah. know, and so we're not well, even... in California when it comes to, uh, you know, abortion is done the, Hey, okay. Oh, you guys are limiting it places. We'll hold our beer. You yeah. know, oh, we're yeah. going to, we're going to, you know, double down and, and, you know, well, the other thing that, that you didn't realize is like, it's the responsibility of the local magistrate, the local, um, government to what the, what the punishment is. If this is going to be even in the homicide code, like that's, that's something that, the, that's going to vary per area. Yeah. And yeah. so, and it is, a, you know, that's why, I mean, Roe v. Wade, even amongst the Ruth Bader Ginsburg's of the world said it was a bad law because of the way that it, uh, it argued, yeah. 
Um, it argued a, a phantom idea that you know abortion was somehow uh, enshrined in our constitution yep. and and you know put that federal uh, federal law in place. Sure. When it really is a individual state's right that we should be voting on. Um, at the very least. Yeah. Well, you know, and I, I think our perspective is um, because what's unfortunate is I don't I think I'll just say this, that I think the the federal government has a role mm-hmm. in this. I don't fully agree uh, as if the value of human beings could be subject to uh, individual I, I, mob of, of people yeah, no, voting and, and by on the way, your, just yeah. to be clear, I agree with you on that. Yeah. Um, I'm taking like the secular position mm. argument that, um, you know, we are a um, collection of states and I want to have as little federal involvement as possible with what the laws totally. of the land are and what the state does. Yeah. I agree yeah. 100%, um, you, you know, with, with, your position and the Christian uh, position on this. Yeah. And a lot of what I've said is obviously just like, you know, I'm not speaking on behalf of live action, just kind of giving you my own thoughts. I think the position that we have at live action is that the 14th amendment is the North star that we should be shooting for. And it's interesting, you know, the 14th amendment was obviously written after the whole, uh, slavery situation and, and, uh, the, the 13th, 14th amendment were designed to, you know, you don't rob somebody of life or liberty without due process of law. And so, um, no person shall be robbed of life or liberty without due process of law. And so the question is ultimately, our unborn children people. And so we say that, you know, this is a specific clause in our constitution that was designed and explicitly written for a type of human being and type of people group that is subjugated, that is um, potentially marginalized or seen over, looked over and enslaved or robbed of any type of due process or um, ultimately even robbed of life. And so just as there was an entire different people group in this country that we looked at and said, oh, yeah, they're humans, but they're not people. It's interesting that we're doing the same thing. We haven't learned our lesson, that there's another whole group of people group in America right now on this day and age that we don't deny that's, that's a human life, but we deny it of this personhood status, just like we did before and saying, Oh, that's an African American person. Oh yeah. They're human, but they're just not persons. They're not equal persons. And so we're doing the same thing today. Yeah. Um, and I get that now where people get confused is like the, uh, three fifths, uh, you know, yeah. uh, person stuff and, sure, sure. and they, and they act as if that was part of that yeah. when that was a strategy for the anti-slavery folks yeah. to, to make sure. And this is, you know, something that you'll have the, um, the left will weigh in all the time. Oh, they wanted them to be counted as three fifths a person yeah. and everything. No, I mean, just like today with the, um, the reason that like California wants its ranks to to swell with illegal immigration mm-hmm. and they want them to be counted in the census was yeah. so that they can have as many uh, seats in Congress as possible, yeah. as many politicians as possible in order to, uh, you know, captain and command, um, you know, m- more political influence. Yeah. Yeah. And the South wanted that same thing. Yeah. And the North was like, hang on a minute. You can't count all of them. Yeah. 
to to make sure that you are overrepresented, but then they aren't really getting votes and totally. they aren't really humans and you know yeah. in your eyes yeah. you idiots absolutely no yeah. for sure yeah no i hear you there's yeah i i and the whole i think a lot of that had to do with yeah just representation and, and well that's yeah, exactly, exactly that's exactly so, what it yeah. was remember i mean you know we based yeah. on population get a certain amount of you and know that influence was, I in think our federal government also probably an incremental step for them to give some rights to you know to to yeah. african american people but i think the point is that regardless this there was a whole group of people society said these are humans you can't deny their humanity but they're not equal persons under law and so i think the 14th amendment is should be applied to every single class of human beings people will uh, you know cite the the citizen clause in there and say oh no it it, that isn't referring to it but that's a citizenship clause when it says every born person yeah unborn children are people they may not be citizens yet until yeah. they're born but they're people right yeah, that, and they're so making a pretty the right, thin argument yeah the there right to citizenship is not the right to uh to humanity and so um you know people southern people coming across our border may not be citizens but they're people and so um the same concept applies we can't rob them of due process or equal protection of law or life or liberty without due process so um yeah, that's kind of our new story. Actually, we're, we're, we're putting live action is getting a constitutional uh, resolution uh, um, for uh, for the 14th Amendment protections. Actually, we're we're in the anniversary of Dobbs. We're going to be announcing that uh, is a federal resolution that we're we're working with some members of Congress to recognize 14th Amendment protections for un, the unborn child. And so basically we. Um, saying this is just a statement that we are working towards to one day recognize that children in the womb are just as much equal value than children outside the womb. So, yeah, that's great. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, we could talk about that all day, <laughs> yeah. but I want to, I want to get you to, you know, weigh in on some other things. Sure. Um, so I, I know you saw my uh, uh, Dr. Uh, James Lindsay uh, yeah, interview yeah. and uh, and wanted to uh, chat with you about that. In fact, I would be talking about this with a lot of my um, guests, you know, guests and Christian brothers, because, you know, as we talked about and for those of you in the audience who haven't listened to that, you need to go and listen to it. Um, because there is a uh, movement of, you know, what what they're calling, you know, Christian nationalism yeah. or Christian nationalists that. Um, uh, is a little bit of a, a trap uh, that that he sees coming, and I agree with him totally. wholeheartedly yeah. that um, you know our uh, enemy, and and I, I mean that with a capital E and a small uh, e, our enemies uh, are looking to um, enact against Christians and the church and all of that, uh, you know, particular laws and things. Mm-hmm. Um, in order to subdue us, subdue our influence, and also take away our uh, ability to yeah. truly be, um, you know, free as Christians and saying what we want to say and having the First Amendment yeah. and and everything else. Um, and they've done this in other ways. They've weaponized the Department of Justice against us. Um, you know, we, we see that in the Durham report and other things that have mm-hmm. come to light. And, you know, the fact that FBI had, uh, you know, influence over Twitter and yeah. our social media and was suppressing and censoring, you know, what people could say, what they can't. You know, that's coming um, specifically directed at Christians 
if we are not careful. So mm-hmm. I wanted to to you know get your thoughts on on what you saw there, and uh, I'm sure you were you know bursting through the. Uh, um, uh, you know, po- podcast screen or whatever, uh, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, wanting to weigh in on, on some of that. So I appreciate your, uh, your wisdom and, and discernment. Interesting. So, so you, you're like, not, you're, you're not lobbing me any softballs now, man. It's like, you, you asked me about criminalization. Now you want to ask me about, uh, Christian nationalism. <laughs> um, you know, man, um, one, one I'm time. Sure, so, I'm sure my boss is going to love this when he hears it. No. Yeah. Well, well, no. So we, we both, uh, we both know, um, uh, you know, Jocko Willink, right? Yeah. So Jocko Willink famously does not talk small. Sure. And I think that it is uh, funny because if you engage with Jocko Willink in any kind of small talk or anything inane, he, he like just disappears, just walks away. So he, he'll, he'll walk away in the middle of the totally, conversation. Totally. Uh, and I've seen, I've seen that happen. I've had other people yeah. go, oh yeah, he'll do that. If you're, yeah. if you're talking... Have you uh, met Charlotte and Jocko? Uh-huh, yeah, yeah, a couple times. Okay, yeah, nice. um, I, I wrestled the uh, you know Dean Lister years oh, ago. Wow. Yeah, that guy's Jeez. a gorilla. Oh my um, god. Yeah. So uh, yeah. anyway, uh, but but yeah, I got to got to meet Jocko, and and it was funny. My wife had a cool um, interaction with him over uh, Facebook. So yeah. you know, my wife's a, a professional singer, and I she didn't know that. um, That's yeah, cool. and uh, vocal coach, yeah. and you know, and all that. And so she she notices that. Jocko breathes properly. Yeah, interesting. And so she wrote him on Facebook. Diaphragmatically. Yeah, yeah. you know, through the nose. Yeah. You know, he takes big, powerful, you know, uh, breaths, and just you know, he's got a you know good, good speaking voice and all that. So she says, "Hey, you know, I'm a I'm a homeschool mom and vocal coach, and you know, I notice and professional singer, and I notice that you breathe properly. Can you sing?" And he hit her back immediately with, with "Yeah." I got pipes. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So, uh, but anyway, um, yeah. So that's why I'm hitting you hard because I'm yeah. also not that interested in small talk when it comes to these subjects. I think we should be as yeah. as as human beings, uh, certainly totally. as Christians, talking yeah. about important issues. You know, even if they're a little a little sticky and For sure. a little challenging. Summer is here, and Good Ranchers wants to give you what you've been craving. A nice summer steak on the grill. Can you hear the sizzle already? I'm not sure what your favorite steak is, but mine is literally every steak I get from Good Ranchers. Every cut that they source from local American farms is hand-cut, trimmed, and aged to perfection. Good Ranchers is proud to be a trusted source for high-quality, all-American meat, and they are the way to get the most out of your summer grilling season. So head on over to GoodRanchers.com and pick up your box. They have ribeyes, New York strips, all-natural burgers, and all the delicious chicken you could ever want. Plus, it's $30 off with my code BRYCE. With 85% grass-fed beef imported from overseas, Good Ranchers wants you to put American meat on the grill you can feel good about and trust. Whether you're planning a backyard barbecue, a family picnic, or a beachside cookout, they've got you covered with honest, transparent products that deliver on quality, price, and flavor. This is the perfect time of year to easily change the way you buy meat. So head to GoodRanchers.com and use my code BRYCE for $30 off any box. Forget about the summer bod for a minute and focus on summer meats. With Good Ranchers, you can feel good about the 100% American, locally sourced meat you're putting on your grill and on your plate. Make this summer one to remember by starting it with American meat delivered to your door from GoodRanchers.com. Use my code BRYCE for $30 off at GoodRanchers.com today. 
well, and and you know, I think to this that regard, it's like if you don't if you don't have a at least some type of an idea of big pic- picture issues, then where are you going? Like it's a, like a ship out in the sea. If you don't have an idea of where the rocks are, <laughs> you know, where I'm going to, what are the pitfalls? Like I, I don't want to sail my ship into that area because well, in that area, there's some, there's some only fan sirens, <laughs> you know, we're not shipping. We were not steering our ship over there. So I'm going to ship uh, the steer the ship of all my men under my tutelage away from that area and talk prophetically about the, the area where the sirens are. And we're going to talk uh, prophetically about the other area where there's, you know, uh, rocks underneath the, that, that we're not going to hit the, um, what is that? The coral or the, the reef of, um, but we, at the same time, we, we need to know where we're headed. What is our, what is our aim as men? And, um, what is our identity? Identity is a huge thing. Uh, nobody seems to know what they are, who they are as men, as humans, as citizens, as Christians, as patriots, as fathers, you know, men are lost at sea right now without a heading and out of coordinates to the North star, uh, as to where they are sailing to as the destination. Um, and so that's one thing that I love about being a Christian is we have God's word as, as the, uh, the compass, so, um, to that regard in, in reference to the whole Christian nationalism, I, you know, I've never, I think we've talked about this before. I've, I've never been one to get on the whole, at least that, that term, because the second I hear of nationalism in general, it's like, it's hard in the, in the mind of, for two reasons, I think one there's no really clear definition of what Christian nationalism is. Yeah, you you, you know you said that um, you know kind of at the uh, the first time, and that's part of why I wanted to talk yeah. about this with you is because I was saying, and I and I said this in my um, program with uh, uh, with Dr. Lindsay was you know I, I wanted to you know wear as a shield or I think he he used that term, but I would I opened the show you know sometimes as saying hey uh, Christ yeah. the fascist Christian nationalist yeah, the totally. terrorist Bryce Eddy yeah, here exactly. you know kind of a thing yeah. Because I, I think it's obnoxious that, I mean, whatever, yeah. you know, they, they want to throw a label on you in order to, again, try to, um, you, you know, it's a smear and mm-hmm. it's also to, you know, pigeonhole you yeah. and, um, you know, all, all of that stuff. And and I was joking about, ah, forget it, I'll put Christian nationalists on a T-shirt. And you're like, hey, totally. wait a minute, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, exactly. and you're like, dude, what are the, what are, <laughs> let's define that yeah. first and let's see what other people yeah. are, are meaning by that. Well, you know? and the other, the, the danger of that is like, we could have a conversation about that today and somebody could download that year from now. And then the evolution of what that term means, yeah. especially depending on great point. like the, you know, the, um, we've seen this time and time again, how the, a movement starts off good. And then the, the terms have been co-opted and then <clears throat> the other side gets in and smears and kind of twists yeah. what that is. And then all of a sudden, you know, it becomes a, a really curse word and something nobody wants to associate with. So I would, ne- I, I'm very leery about these, these, this terminology, but I will say that, um, all law is, is the imposition of morality. And so I, I've said this before, but like the, it's, it's, there's certain questions. It's like, it's not, it's an inescapable question. It's like not whether, but which. So one of those things is law. Like it's not a question of will 
morality be imposed, but whose morality and the beauty of Christian morals and the Christian Western values that we've had for the last 1500 years has been this experiment of Christianity, um, has produced unprecedented freedom and equality and liberal, even, you know, another term that's been co-opted is liberalism, but even this term liberal, like liberal self-government, um, the right of, of, of individual freedom of conscience, these are all Christian values, Yeah, you know? And so they did not exist, especially I would argue, I know I work with a lot of, uh, love, love my, uh, the Catholic friends and coworkers, but you know, I would argue that even freedom of religion did not exist prior to the Protestant Reformation because in the previous time, you know, it, um, what the, the, uh, the, the, um, the, uh, Reformation did was really solidify this, uh, concept over and against this kind of ecclesiological ecclesiocracy, you could call it. Yeah, because you I know? mean, the, the in the Catholic Church or the Church of England or something, yeah, they, they sure. were a third, you know, yeah. rail Church of government. Of or, yeah, they were they were uh, really a governing body. Sure, and so I think the Protestant Reformation really established this kind of freedom of conscience in the mind and hearts of, of normal everyday people to not be persecuted for their indis, you know, their distinct Christian, uh, particular expressions. And so uh, people don't realize at the time of the penning of the first amendment, which was really, uh, um, an establishment clause that uh, Congress shall make no law establishing an, a, a religion. Uh, or prohibiting the free exercise of thereof, right? Yeah, which again, you know, I, you have to remind people that yeah. the separation of church and state does not exist in any of our founding documents. Sure. Uh, it was in a letter that uh, I think Jefferson wrote to the uh, Danbury Baptist. Danbury Baptist, yeah. yeah. And and the uh, again, it was assuring them that yeah. the you know the government wasn't going to impose upon them yeah. a a church, yeah. a state religion. And, well, and that's, and that's the thing that people are, are missing and it's yeah. used because, you know, we have a low, low information leftists, um, or the smart ones that just want to use it as a battering ram against us and pretend that it means totally. that you can't have the 10 commandments, which is actually the foundation of our, of our laws here. Yeah. You, you can't have those displayed at a courthouse. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say I'm not fighting for any new ecclesiocracy. You know, if that's a word, uh, I think that's a word I'm fighting for, um, basically a return to the founding fathers and what they, the, the Christian nation that if you read the, uh, Mayflower compact, if you read the original charters of the colonies, these colonies were fighting for, uh, a, a new birth of freedom of expression to, to and really the freedom was like defined as the wise restraints that make men free, right? And yeah. so um, the laws are the wise restraints that make men free. But the, the question ultimately is, you know, is religious liberty a Baphomet statue that we can put out front of City Hall? I mean, that's this, that's happening right now. The Satanic Temple right now is is defining taking the First Amendment, ripping it out of its context, and then redefining it to mean. Um, anything you want. Right. And so 
they are saying if, and they're using this as a bargaining tool to absolutely as a Marxist takeover to rip Christianity from its founding, um, foundation, you know? And so they'll say, if you don't, you know, please remove these 10 commandments from your public square. And if they don't then say, okay, well, we're going to sue you and say, then you also need to put a, a picture of Baphomet, a, a statue of Baphomet out out front, and so, so then that the, what, with the, goat, the goat with the horns. And well, all yeah, that exactly. Yeah. Basically, you know, Satan, and so, <laughs> and they're but they're using that as a means of like, okay, Christian liberty, you know, freedom of expression of Christian values, is, or you know, religious liberty it has to be this equal playing field of any type of debauchery. There, I can define as religious my religious expression and you have to go alongside it. And so that I believe is a misunderstanding of the first amendment. And we have to understand that as a base level, the Christian morals, the Christian values is the values of America. And we, we ought not to shy away from that in, in, in attempts of placating to a humanistic type of, uh, experiment and, um, and as if we could think that we can maintain all of the values of equality and um, freedom that, that really is a byproduct of the Christian worldview and then use it as a batting, battering ram against um, God and his law. You know, so uh, that's, that's, I guess, my perspective. I don't know if that's clear, but um, I think I would just advocate for a return to basic kind of the English common law, everything that Western values, all these principles were derived um, from biblical values. I mean, it's the air that we breathe that we don't even realize, like, like the, the right to due process, right. To the, the right of, um, you know, freedom of, of expression and all of these things. I mean, it, it came from things like, um, you had to have two to three independent eyewitnesses to a, a crime. So the, the law in Deuteronomy was you couldn't bring accuse somebody of a crime unless you had actual evidence, two or three independent eyewitnesses to a, an event. And that was, that served as the basis of due process that's in our legal system today. So a lot of these things, the left does not believe in that. Well, even close. Exactly. Right yeah. And so that that's kind of my point is that, we're seeing these erosions and we think we can hold on to liberty and deny its foundations as if this are just common sense things that everybody would totally agree on. And I'm just saying, no, every country that you're seeing from Canada right now, they don't have freedom of speech. Look at um, like Australia. They don't have freedom of speech. They can't say the things that we ha- they say. Every experiment of this humanistic kind of, um, experiments in, in social engineering, they're all eroding all the liberties that we just take for granted. Yeah. And so we, we cannot drink of the waters of liberty without denying its source. So I think we should be very, very careful as a society to divorce ourselves from these foundations in an effort to um, hitch ourselves to some humanistic, scientific, materialistic kind of uh, experiment in, in human progress. Well, that was part one of my conversation with A.J. Hurley. Man, he and I can talk. And so we keep getting into it. Join us for part two tomorrow. 
Thank you for watching or listening to this episode of The Bryce Eddy Show. Hey, we need your help. We have a special call to action. Please subscribe to our new Rumble channel, The Bryce Eddy Show. If you've been consuming this on our church website or church channel, go ahead and subscribe to us on Rumble. We need to build those numbers there for that new dedicated channel. For your convenience, we have a link in the description below.